This is Sean Six from the Liquid Conversations, and I'm here with who? Karen Jerzyk. And uh, Karen, you are a photographer extraordinaire, correct? Yes. So <laughs> that's a that's a good way of putting it. That's a very lavish way of putting it. That's a it, lavish but... way of putting it? <laughs> the reason that I wanted to have you on the podcast was that we've known each other for a long time, and we first met at a rock festival in Western Massachusetts. Yes, Metal Fest. New England and Metal I'm and Hardcore Festival. Festival. I remember. Yeah. That's that's as, as much as I want to say. About a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, being a photographer, were there to shoot the festival, to shoot bands. Right. And I was there to interview bands and cover the festival. Flash forward. 80 years later. Yeah. But, I mean, Almost probably de- 10 years, yeah. at least 10 Yeah, years just later. about a decade later. Yeah. Now you're a nationally famous photographer. Why would you ever, you don't shoot shows anymore. Why, why would you? Right. Why would you leave that? Um, I don't know. It's it's funny. I think it has a lot to do with my age, too, because when I started doing that, I was like, you know, like early 20s. So, you know, I was going to shows was the coolest thing. And like I was just really getting into music. And, you know, I, I'd go to shows and I'd hide cameras in my underwear. <laughs> you know, everyone, so many people do that. So when they pat you down, they don't, right. they don't know you have it. And I'd, I'd try to get like as close as I could to the stage as possible. And just like the whole music experience back then to me was just so amazing. So I wanted proof, like, look how close I was and look at right. look at the band I went to see. And that somehow correlated to actually getting passes because um, I'd go to little like dive clubs and, you know, where they don't care what you bring in. You can bring a backpack of stuff and they don't ask you what's in it. I mean, at least back then they didn't. So um, I started shooting, um, you know, legitimately. And then I started getting passes and... And, um, yeah, I I was shooting, like, probably, like, sometimes, like, three shows a week. Right. And I loved it for a while. Um, I have to say, it it made me feel important. You know, you get a pass, and you're like, oh, like, this sets me apart. You felt like a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hey, everyone, look at this pass I have. But, um... No, it was just, I think it was more the experience of it. Um, And I think about it now, it's almost when you start dating a person and they always say the three months, you know? It's like, for three months it's amazing and it's magical and then it's like... The honeymoon's over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, time went on and things just started. We were talking about uh, earlier, you know, seeing people that maybe you hooked them up with an interview, one of their bands with an interview. With me, it's like, I was shooting bands for free, left and right like I wasn't I wasn't even considering asking for any kind of payment because I thought stupidly that they were doing me a favor by letting me you know go there and have a great time but then I kind of got older you know the years pass and 20 becomes 25 becomes almost 30 um you get bills yeah yeah you start getting bills and you start realizing that a lot of the free stuff you did kind of went unnoticed too right um you know and it's like wow i started shooting that band at a legion hall and now i can't get a pass to shoot them because i'm not you know shooting for like a a huge magazine a big outlet yeah yeah so um i don't know i guess yeah the honeymoon was over after a while and i kind of just i i actually started listening to a lot of different music too 
um, as I matured, I, I still listened to, you know, a lot of metal and hardcore, the kind of things that we would cover all the time. But yeah, I, I just, I had a friend one day, he was like, man, like, why, why don't you do anything else? Like, why aren't you shooting like just portraits? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, just, like just going somewhere. I, I didn't even understand the concept. I was so one track mind about the, about the shooting band. So, but, um, like we were talking about before, I, I realized too, like all my pictures were the same they look like everyone else's i was shooting with you know it was you can only see the same stage shot the same guitar player flipping his hair back yeah. uh you know uh, sweat flying off of somebody or the singer holding the microphone out towards the right. crowd yeah, yeah. or somebody to sing into it you can only see that same shot so many times before it really doesn't matter who the hell's taking the photo yeah and and that was the issue too you know it's like oh i you'd think you nailed it with this amazing photo and then you know someone from the band would take the photo crop out your watermark no one knew you took it um you'd see it on an ad someone just took and it's like you know just having having to fight to get i guess respect and recognition it was it was getting really tiring for me and just yeah just the creative process wasn't there it was almost like you talk to photographers who do like commercial work and they're making huge money like big money like I wish I could make that much money but they go insane because they're like I am not doing what I'm it's like yeah you want to be a photographer but not like that not that way you know so as you matured as you started to realize that the honeymoon was over it was fun shooting the bands it was fun being part of the scene it was fun being part of the experience the excitement you realize that that experience that fun wasn't necessarily pain for you to live but also too you started to understand an artistic sensibility that started to come out of it right right um yeah and i, I guess around the time i kind of taped off shooting anything that had to do with music I um, I started trying to do like kind of like fine art portraiture and stuff uh, and that was like around 2009 that I kind of like stopped doing band stuff and I started doing the portraits right. and then 2011 my father passed away and it was like it, it, I totally saw the world differently you know what I mean it's like the pictures I was taking I guess aesthetically they were kind of cool but they were definitely missing something they weren't they weren't something you would stand in front of and be like wow you know just almost read it like a like a visual story right and after that happened I just I saw so many sides of people and like so many sides of myself and like it was just such a bizarre time and um I got really depressed I mean I not gonna lie like the first year was bad and I'm an only child and I'm you know my mother's devastated and I'm trying to like put the pieces together of all this stuff and I just I had no one to talk to because no one really likes talking about that they're like let's talk about someone dying that's close to you you know right. I can laugh about it now but back then it wasn't funny I, I was drowning like I was drowning I I would I remember sitting in my car and just crying one day I was like what am I doing like why do I keep going when every day is just miserable like what you know and I so then the photography it's funny it became like almost it was like the evolution of me doing it selfishly doing the bands like oh I feel so important to kind of getting out of that but not knowing why I got out of it and it's like 
you know, what happened with my father, it's like, now I know why. Like, I, I need this to survive. It was therapy. A lot of artists say that because there's something inside of them that they can't get out of them through normal means. Musical artists say that the reason that they write the music that they write or the way that they perform is to get some sort of demon or some sort of energy out of them that they can't have inside. It, it literally is going to bust out either in a good way or a bad way, mm-hmm. and the artistic expression becomes the good way compared to the negative alternatives. For you, that was it. That was your path. That was the that was you purging this feeling, this frustration, this heartbreak of having a tragedy in your family and as you're getting older and understanding life differently and looking at the world differently, your art became your therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was kind of a weird lining up of the tides and everything when that happened because like you said, yeah, my my age and that happening, but um, yeah, it's, and yeah, definitely any art form, like you said, music, whatever, it's, uh, yeah, it's important to have that outlet. Like, I, I remember thinking, what would I have done if I if I wasn't doing this? I don't think I'd be here, to, to be honest. You know, and, and I think that's a fair statement, because a lot of people that do express through some sort of means of artistic sensibility make a very similar statement. If it wasn't for this, I wouldn't have survived. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have made it through that tough point in my life. I wouldn't have, you know, gotten that bad feeling out of my system unless I purged it through the painting, the photography, the sculpture, the Mm -hmm. song, the musical instrument, what have you. Mm -hmm. So you go through this life-changing experience. Really, it was like this was the epiphany for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a flash. I mean, it might not have seemed that quick at the time, but if you think about the grand scope of a life, that was a flash that changed your mentality on everything and changed your direction as far as how you wanted to use a camera to flash forward to this point right now where we're sitting here you take some really heavy photos Mm. and i i would love to use another word but i don't think i can come up with one that's any more descriptive than the heaviness of it because a lot of your photos really leave people speechless they really do i went to art school i have i have a bachelor's degree in fine arts and i'm looking at your photos and i'm like you do get drawn into those photos like you're like you said you're telling a story visually where somebody's going to sit there and look at it you have a lot of photos that are very dark not just visually but the the theme of them conceptually they're very dark you've expanded you've experimented you've done stuff where you've gone to very old and decrepit locations Mm. and used that as a backdrop instead of (laughs) we'll say cgi in it in there like some photographers do now they use the technology so they don't actually have to go on location but you literally immerse yourself in the location you feel the energy that's there and you actually represent that through the photos i'm not going to deny that your photos do seem very dreamlike too yeah and you and i have just recently been having conversations about dreams do all these images when you take these photos are these is this stuff that's flashing in your head yeah basically and and it's ironically uh, i listen to a lot of music to get ideas um also a lot of people don't know this i got my ba in english i never took a i, ne- I never took one photography class um, self-taught right so you know the combination of listening to music and reading and watching movies i'm a huge you said the cgi thing yeah. i am so like i'm such a stickler for that i love 
I grew up in the 80s with like Jim Henson, you know, like these people are creating, they're literally fabricating worlds and it's amazing. And you watch it, there's there's so much of a difference between CGI and when someone actually makes something because CGI, it takes me out of it. I'm like, I know, you know what I mean? It's like, it takes my mind out of it and I'm like, eh, I know this was CGI. And But when someone actually makes something and it's physically there, it literally is another world. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to, not use trickery like that especially when it's something so personal to me that's a um, good point personal yeah. aspect of it is very yeah and it's i i just want it to be real i want it to be as real as possible so you know if you see a photo of mine that has a hundred butterflies flying everywhere uh sometimes i only had five but what i do is i take those same five and i pin them all over the room and that's like a hundred different photos that i'm compositing together. together but instead of just photoshopping you know made up butterflies i'm actually using them in real life but um yeah i think that's important to me because it, it my pictures are feelings it's it's weird it's it's i'll get fragments of ideas and i write it down and sometimes i'll like go through a notebook and i'm like this part kind of works with this part because you kind of actually have to think of it visually too and i don't often like to take that much time with it usually i'm just like I'll write it down it'll work itself out like i have to think of like you know a few technical things of how am i going to do this but you know like painting a room over and over again right. that sucks but um yeah it's uh it's important for me that it's real and it's because like i said yeah you asked you asked about the dreams and everything um yeah it's a, it's a weird combination i just want people to see how i'm feeling i guess and what comes out is almost how i'm feeling you know the the anxiety but there's beautiful moments in life but there's also like a darkness basically going back and forth between good and bad and feeling terrible and feeling great it's interesting that you mentioned the movie or movie aspect of it and you being a movie buff too alfred hitchcock always used to manipulate people's minds as far as the struggle between good and evil light mm -hmm. and dark and he used it in a lot of his movies and he also you know coined certain aspects as far as one particular part of the brain is the part that focuses on food sex and violence. Mm -hmm. It all comes from the same spot. Yeah. It just depends on the moment that you're in on which one you're going to get. Yeah. And you're manipulating that with the viewer. You're using those aspects and the viewer doesn't even probably realize that it's happening. And the funny, yeah, the, I, a lot of, it's funny when I get people's reactions to my photos and it's, I think it's because of that, like people, especially nowadays, you're either you're either like dull, you don't want to feel anything, or you get it. And I think the people that absolutely hate my work and they hate my work so much, they'll like hate me. Um, because it is a personal medium. Yeah, and it's, I think that's what it is, is I'm trying to walk that line and I can do it almost subconsciously. And I think it's just, yeah, there's, when this stuff just comes to me, I'm doing it and it feels right. It feels right in the way that I want it to portray itself to other people. Right. But people don't like to feel uncomfortable. They don't like to question things. They don't, they, a lot of people want to look at something 
and it's either mindless or but it's funny i i always like getting the reactions of people who hate it because it's like they look at my work and it's like a slap in the face and, and they don't want to feel that right it's and it's like for me i'm like yes like it did exactly like for me growing up i love hitchcock but i'm obsessed with stanley kubrick and like he Perfect did the same yeah he did the same thing where it's like what is happening yeah. to my psyche right now like yeah. it, like 2001 space odyssey which is being re-released right now right that movie man like every time i watch that i'm like i feel so gross like I, you know what i mean i'm like what oh like clockwork, i want to sleep clockwork orange did the exact same yeah. thing to people. yeah and it's like but i get it like you have to let that in you have because you're gonna feel like that someday anyway you're gonna lose a, a loved one or you're gonna something's gonna happen to you and it's like to me it's almost it's like practicing you know and i like to practice doing it in my work with other people it's like yeah that's how i feel but so when I, yeah when i'm coming up with images it's more of a like it's more of on a scale of feelings rather than visuals because they both work off each other to create you know irony too people hate irony and i love i love irony you know it's great you're mentioning using the visuals and the feelings working off of each other because of the locations that and the sets that you set up it's so great because you mentioned the movie stuff because now i'm seeing more in your your work than i originally did mm -hmm. you're making movie sets right exactly. you're, you're literally making a soundstage area that you would see on the back lot of a movie production company somewhere and the locations that you go to are go you're going there for the same reason that production team would scout out a location to film a movie because mm -hmm. of the intrinsic value of what's there but ironically there's an interesting thing you take a lot of personal chances for doing some of this stuff. Yeah. One, you set yourself up for public criticism, which is always hard for any person to deal with. Putting your heart and your soul out there on display for everybody and have the haters come at you or people say stuff or their criticism or whatever. It's always hard for any person to choke down. But you've literally put yourself in legal ramification situations <laughs> because of some of the locations that you shoot in. Some of them can be condemned property, houses, they look like they could be, you know, the house from Psycho or something along mm -hmm. those lines or, a, you know, horror movie set. But ultimately, some of these places are, they're owned by somebody. Right. Not, nothing's ever truly abandoned. Correct. You, you use the word abandoned, but a bank owns it or a distant, distant relative. It just landed on there. Yeah, exactly. Now, and, and the reason I say that, one of the things that you've had to navigate about this transition from being the younger person feeling lucky that they're even at the show able to shoot whether it was for free or not to the point now where you're a practicing artist and you're surviving and paying your bills and having a livelihood off of your photography besides the fact that you're trying to push the envelope artistically for yourself you got in trouble mm -hmm. you, you big trouble <laughs> you took a <laughs> you took a step and, and went on to a, uh, a particular property and it made some waves didn't it yeah um so for me I, the whole going to quote-unquote abandoned locations is kind of like a phenomena right now like a lot of people are doing it it's it's a it's, it's just a hobby for some people right and I think even the people where it's just a hobby I mean I can't speak for them but to me you're you're going into these it's like stepping back in time it's the weirdest thing it's like as soon as you go into the space it's like go it's like going in another dimension right when you go in a hospital that was abandoned in 1960 or a house that still has every single thing in it 
and the family just up and left like in the 40s it's time stopped at that location right and for me it's like i see it's important for me to document that in my own work i could just go and take snapshots which is still cool when people do that because that's it's dying it's a cool With, location yeah t 20 years from now you're not going to find these old farmhouses that they're going to be leveled they're going to rot and just fall to the ground right um so for me it's like not only for some reason do i feel like a a cosmic force is telling me to document it but it's i have to have it in my work i just right. i feel like my work is insignificant without it it's just it's how I see things like when I dream and I, I get freaked out sometimes because people will be like they'll look at a, they'll comment on like my Instagram on a photo and be like I had a dream that looked exactly like this but um, but yeah like it's it's exactly like how I dream and it's funny because I, I'm not a technical photographer at all I I do what I do to make the image look like how I want it and that's it I don't want to learn really anything I don't know if that's ignorant to say but I can always learn more but so you know people will say your windows are all blown out there's too much light coming through the windows and I'm like no man I'm doing that on purpose I don't want you to look out the window and see a Prius or whatever or you know <laughs> right. you know I don't right. want a family of four with grocery bags out right, on the right, street right. I want it to look like man that house or that hospital that could be on another planet and the right. lights just like blowing through like there could be a spaceship outside we don't know what's going on but do you ever get the overwhelming feeling that where you know we know that some of these locations abandon is kind of a relative term do you ever feel like if somebody tells you that you can't go there that you want to do it even more oh yeah I'll it, there's places where I'll see like I'll see pictures on the internet and I'm just like I, I need that I need that that recently happened with a church um, someone brought me to this like this giant like concrete it looked like a pyramid right and I'm doing like a spaceman series with a with a old spacesuit and and I was like, man, like it looked like something out of Blade Runner. It was crazy. So <laughs> to me, yeah, absolutely. The risk is worth it. Um, yeah. In 2014, I got caught uh at a house that i had been to multiple times and when i go into these places what i do is i i clean up it looks like an episode of hoarders there's like four feet of stuff on the ground garbage everywhere right because it's like people have ransacked it other people have gone in and done you know squatters right exactly so yeah um, I had gone into this house a few times and like cleaned up. I'm doing the opposite of what one would think someone trusts. Yeah. So I cleaned up and I didn't know that the property owner, every time I like set up like different furniture and stuff, this guy was going in there and being like, what the hell? Like, it's like Goldilocks and the three bears. Comes back <laughs> you know? and stuff's yeah. moved around. Yeah. Why? Um, I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, unbeknownst to me, Every time I would make a new setup in this house, I was only there like four or five times, but he'd be calling the cops. Uh, and I get his side. I would never, you know, down this guy. You know, right, I'm right. in his property. That's really weird. He didn't Imagine know walking into your property and right. the furniture's all, you Moved know, around. it's cleaned up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's freaky. He just didn't know what the situation was. So obviously he's yeah. you know, siding what most people yeah, would do. Yeah, I mean, say, I would do the Someone's same. on my property. I don't know. It wasn't while I was here and I'm going to call the cops because, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like some rogue maid service. Because like I said, I mean, he's going in and everything's, you know, pristine swept like 
So it's um, like the fairies came by and cleaned up my abandoned house. For I can. Right? I always. I always thought that too. I always said to a friend that I'd go out with. I'd be like, man, like I wonder what these people think when they come in and see like this place that was <laughs> trashed is so nice, right? It looks like how like you know. It's like, do they cry? Like it looks like how it looked like during Christmas. In the right, 50s. right. But um, no, I. So like I went to this particular place to shoot one day, and like me and the models were outside, and it's like super rural new hampshire like we we all have tattoos and like what are people like us doing walking on the street this guy knows he's already have had a problem so we didn't even get caught red-handed we were just like walking like on that road and he like he pulled like behind us into the driveway and i was like i just knew i knew he was tied to that house And we went to the car and one of the models was driving. This guy chases us. It was like a horror movie. Big black truck chasing us down these like farm roads. And all of a sudden the girl driving is like, there's a cop behind us. And I was like, oh, no. So I was like, you got we weren't in there. Say we weren't in there. Like we all have to just be simple with it. Don't make up too much of a story. So we like got out of it. And I was even kind of cocky about it. I showed the cop another memory card I had switched out. Um, which was dumb because then he, then he saw the style of stuff I was doing. <laughs> Got too cocky with, yeah, we're going to get off. You were eventually setting yourself up for failure on that <laughs> yes. because one way or another, somebody was going to say, okay, you did something you weren't supposed to and right. now you're going to get I ne- in trouble. And I needed that. I was getting a little too, like, I was going to, like, so many places. I, I was getting too reckless with the whole, like, trespassing stuff, so... You know, he has to let us go. There's no proof we were there. Um, And then the next day, I get a phone call from the same cop that pulled us over. And he's like, he left a message on my cell phone. I called him back, and I, I was acting stupid. And I was like, yeah, like, just returning your call. And he was like, yeah, we'd like you to come down to the station. It was all, like, dramatic, like I murdered someone. And he was like, we want to talk to you about activity in our town. And I was like, okay. Like, and he was like, by the way, if you don't come down, I'll put out a warrant for your arrest. And I was oh, like. So he was serious, yeah. Yeah. So come to find out. So I had my friend that had been in that house with me <laughs> turn myself in. I, I didn't say anything about him. Right. Um, they had At that point, they had no clue. Another photographer ended up calling the police station and ratting my friend out, by the way. Don't know what the point of that was, but. Jealousy. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, I had to go in the interrogation room, and this cop walks in, and he starts laying down the photos of previous times i've been in there on the table and i was just like (sighs) you're thinking i've literally (laughs) seen this on tv before yeah yeah yeah. i've watched the the first 48 i've (laughs) watched the movie about stuff like this happening you know you you almost vision that you're you know in the interrogation room and you're neo from the matrix (laughs) it's something weird i know i'm like wait did i do something i was like oh my god like yeah i'm like why am i here and yeah i i when I went home the night he let us off, I thought I deleted all my pictures, but someone, you know, someone else reblogged them somewhere. So he Google searched me, and as soon as he saw my other work, he knew to keep Google searching so you, me. So the viewer <laughs> bagged on that. And ultimately, what kind of trouble did you get in? After all that, man, I just ended up getting a fine, like a $500 fine, which 
to me, I always call it my my five hundred dollar fee for the the most inexpensive commercial ever, because they I mean they were playing uh, the news station in New Hampshire uh, WMUR they were playing the story over and over again for days, showing my website, showing my picture. I mean my mugshot was on the news too, and that wasn't cool. But... It was the stereotypical case of bad press is still good press. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, while it was happening, I was really scared. I was like, they're making an, an example out of me because like I had mentioned before, it was kind of becoming a hobby. Like so many people were doing it. And I was like, I'm the one where they're going to be like, this is why you don't you do were the it. Scapegoat. Like, yeah. And I was like, I'm probably going to go to jail maybe for like, maybe they'll give me like 20 to 30 days to prove a point, two right. weeks. I don't know, whatever. Some but. some rural county in New Hampshire. Yeah. The judge has, you know, got a, a son that he's really ticked off at because he He's got tattoos and long hair, and he's the rocker <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of guy. And he's, you know, I'm the, the female the, version of his son. And, and he's like, I'm just literally going to take out all my aggression <laughs> on Karen just yeah. because Karen got a little reckless with her artistic endeavor. Right, right. So, so, so ultimately, yeah. you never really, you, you, you got to find, you got your wrist slapped on it, you learned a lesson. Well, it depends what the lesson is. Is it to not <laughs> trespass? Lesson right. not we all, we, we, And we'll, we'll, we'll say this to anybody who's listening. Please don't do this. Please try to get <laughs> yeah. permission first. We don't yeah. encourage you trespassing on private property. <laughs> this is going to be kind of like, you know, when you're watching Jackass and they're saying, don't do right. as we yeah. do. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, dev- you know, and like the vandalism and all that, not cool. No. But I, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's if you're breaking the law, you're breaking the law. And I had other like people that were into that, like talking about me. And it's like, man, you do the same thing. Like we just right. just be smart about it. And you know, I, I never at any point, I felt bad for the guy who I did that to. I mean, I'll be honest, like I said, it's, it's creepy and kind of scary knowing someone was on your property. But luckily with that publicity, it was kind of like a sm- snowball effect. Um, I don't, you know, engage in that as much as I, not nearly as much as I used to because people started seeing my work, you know, and in a lot of different places and respecting it. And a lot of people gave me a chance, like they, they saw my work from that and they were like, wow, like thanks to that news piece, uh, you know, that's what led me to your page and I get Your work catapulted. You literally are having shows in California. You're having shows in New York. People are buying your work, uh, contacting you online to buy your work. That one spark of a reckless moment reckless choice on your part literally eliminated five to ten years worth of slugging it out trying to get people to pay attention to you absolutely and it it sucks because i always say to myself i'm like oh like i feel like every time i feel like i'm reaching another level with my work it's because something bad happened it's like my father passing away and then getting arrested but it's it's weird it's um yeah it's like weird cosmic signs though it's it can't be denied you know it's that definitely like slingshotted me, w- like you said, way ahead of the game. Um, made me take different avenues. Like, well, maybe I should try to do some studio work, so right. I don't always have to partake in trespassing. Right. Um, and I actually did. I, I after I got arrested, I gutted out a room in my basement, and I started doing like a ton of really bizarre, like super stylized self portraits. And then I had someone like just put wood up in this like stone room, and that's when I did I did like a color series that did really well it was just 11 photos but it was all monochromatic different colors and I actually liked working in that kind of environment whereas years ago I was stubborn and I was like oh I just want to shoot in abandoned places 
places. That's right. the only cool thing. And it's like, nope, you're getting arrested and you're going to have to figure this out on your own. And that's, it, it's weird. It's like a vice. It's like, I, I don't want bad things to keep happening, but it's like, all right, like I, I've learned to not crumble and just kind of, you know, it's get, things are thrown at you for a reason. It's just to maybe change your course or... I had a professor in, in art school that told me that for an artist to truly create art, you have to suffer. Mm-hmm. If you have no suffering aspects of your life, you have nothing good to say. Yeah. However you say it, however you express yourself, whatever medium that you use, you have to express something. And nine times out of 10, uh, it would be fair to say that as a person, people don't usually react until they're in one emotional extreme or another. Mm -hmm. whether it being sheer stress, panic, terror, heartbreak, or joy, Mm -hmm. you know, happiness. In the middle ground, we're just going through the motions. Exactly. You get on each end of that spectrum, whether it be the light or the dark side, and we start to function as humans. Right. So you, you did that. You did that. Before we forget, where can people find your work? Um, so I have a website, karenjerzikphoto.com. Um, and I have like all my prints, all my work there. I have an Instagram. I think it's karen.jerzik.photo. Facebook. I'm everywhere. <laughs> and if they can't find that, then they, they can Google search the court documents in I'm rural sure New Hampshire. I'm pretty sure if you Google search uh, abandoned tre- or trespassing arrest as far as I know I'm still on the like first page of Google <laughs> I was like damn it I guess that's cool but that's not really the legacy I want but it's not but you know <laughs> what we'll say that we've seen some artists throughout history that have done way worse stuff yeah, so yeah. I, I think I think you're all set on that I'm one. good Karen I appreciate you coming here to the Hard Rock Cafe in Boston and sitting down here with myself for the liquid conversations and thank you for taking the time thank you